welcome to Chew the Fat with me. Let's leave our mark, baby. Welcome to Chew the Fat with me, your host, Maddie Maxey. Chew the Fat is about leaving a mark on the world, but old school style. We'll chat leisurely but prolonged about life, love, growth, success, trials, and more. We'll talk about the fun and easy topics and the tougher ones too. This podcast is made to try and bring love and peace back to the forefront through the old soul of a young woman with a childlike heart and spirit that soars freely. Welcome back to season one, episode three, where we're going to discuss money, 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 money. So let's start with the value of money. Woo! Does it even have any? Monetarily and or spiritually, for lack of better terminology. And we'll jump into what I mean spiritually a little later on. The monetary value of the dollar has decreased significantly over time. It all started when the dollar was taken off the gold standard back in the 1970s by President Nixon. For those wondering, the gold standard is a currency measurement system that uses gold as a way to set the value of money. It signifies the agreement between society and monetary institutions. Unlike fiat money, which is paper money, our U.S. dollar, that is backed entirely by the full faith and trust in the government. I don't know about you all, but I'd prefer that our government didn't solely place the value. Which is why for the past decade or so, you're seeing the rise in NFTs and crypto. NFTs are non-fungible tokens where crypto is fungible digital currency that uses an online ledger to secure transactions. Both remind me of the stories I used to hear about the days of good old barter and trading. Now NFTs, at a basic level, are unique items that can't be replaced with something else. The best explanation I ever heard about NFTs was a piece of art with layers, meaning artwork that has a portrait and then maybe glasses, a specific green shirt on with a snaggled tooth, over the portrait itself, which makes the first more rare, thus adds more value. And as items exchange hands, or in NFT's case, exchange digitally, the value should increase. Another example would be Nike's Back to the Future self-lacing sneakers. There was only so many made, so if you were lucky enough to have a pair and have someone else want them, you could potentially get a lot of money for them. Now, crypto is a medium of exchange but uses encryption techniques to control the creation of monetary units, the most popular of them obviously being Bitcoin which are created through a process called mining that rewards those who process transactions and secure the network through specialized hardware. Now, I'm nowhere near an expert on NFTs and cryptocurrency. However, I do think it's very important to have your eggs in more than just one basket. I'm not telling anyone to throw all their money into it. Only do what you feel comfortable potentially taking a loss on. But don't miss another Bitcoin opportunity to profit. Do your research and talk with people who get it. Because scared money don't make no money. Now what I mean by money having value spiritually is the value as individuals that we put on it. Meaning what is it going to cost you to get it? What are you willing to lose to get it? Does it control you? Are you only driven by the reward of making money? Money can tear people apart just as easily as it can bring people together. 
my favorite saying when it comes to money, it can always be made back. But who teaches us this mentality of money rules everything? Or better yet, who isn't teaching us enough about how it actually operates, how it moves, how it's made? Though I don't know the answer to the questions I just posed, I do think our educational system is part to blame. We're not taught in school how to earn it, other than go to work for the 1% for a lifetime, get a small dividend, 24 to 26 checks a year, maybe a bonus, benefits, in a 401k. Which, mind you, 401k plans were not built with employees in mind. We utilize our own earned income to set funds aside. The 401k was designed for the average person to get into the stock market. I mean, have you actually read the terms and agreement to your 401k plan? You don't have control of your money. You're limited on options to invest. You can't access funds during child-rearing years, which are the most expensive years of life. You have to pay hefty fees. What happened to pensions? What happened to a guaranteed regular monthly payment for life after work where the employer takes on all the risk? I mean, we served our sentence, so to speak, right? We spend more time at work than anywhere else, so compensate us appropriately. And employers wonder why they can't find quality staff. Hmm. Anyways, enough about that. And back to why financial literacy is not taught in school. Why don't we learn to budget, to invest, and make our money work for us? And yes, there are some things that can and should be taught at home, but when you don't come from money, it's hard to understand it. But that's when I think it's important to locate a mentor with real-world experience. Like Robert said in his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he needed someone actually doing it and who had the mindset of an entrepreneur, his rich dad, to teach him things his W-2, poor dad, couldn't. And I love the fact that his poor dad recognized that. So you've got that great job, or you started that business, and you're making great money now. You have that mentor, so now what? Now you budget and manage that money to make it grow to make your money work for you. Passive income, where you do not actively participate for it to be earned. It's living below your means. There's a lot of rules out there. The 50-30-20, the 70-20-10, the 80-20, and more. But the basis of them all is to not be spending too much in any one category. To not let your housing expenses be more than 80% of your income and be saving and or investing the remainder, not just spending it frivolously. Don't be a me when I got my first high-paying job. I did the exact opposite. I got a good-paying job right after college and did what? Got a brand new car that I could barely afford the payments on in conjunction with my rent and other bills. Ate out all the time. Always wanted to be out and about. Was buying $100 worth of clothes and shoes literally every two weeks. And racking up credit card debt like nobody's business. And then on top of all of that, I decided to up and move to California. Like, what? I wish someone would have slapped the shit out of me. Seriously. And when I tell you California took a dump on me, I mean it. It woke me up and placed me into reality. Mom and dad were no longer taking care of me. It was me, myself, and I, with a whole bunch of debt, trying to figure out how to make a good-paying job that no longer felt like one because of the debt I accumulated work for me. And there were tough days. Days where I had to choose whether to eat or pay a bill. Which bill to pay at all? Paying rent late. Pushing car payments to the end of the term. All of that. And I knew better because I damn sure wasn't raised that way. But I needed to learn 
and unfortunately needed to do so the hard way. I thought, oh, I have life figured out. I'm this 23-year-old with almost a six-figure salary. You can't tell me nothing. Well, I got told. And by the universe in that black mama voice, like, now I done told you. I was living paycheck to paycheck. One slip up, and I could have lost everything. And I knew if I wanted a change, if I wanted financial stability, I needed to buckle down. So I did. I was never able to save while I lived in California, at least not like how I wanted to, maybe a few hundred dollars here and there. But I did start allocating my money appropriately. I stopped buying clothes, stopped eating out, cooked, took that extra money to pay off debt. Then and only then did I see the light and could enjoy all of California and what it had to offer. Even then, one slip up and all of it could have been gone. It's like I had this FOMO, fear of missing out on what California had to offer, which honestly ain't really anything. So I buckled down even more. I packed my stuff and I moved back home to Colorado to regroup. I moved in with my parents as a grown-ass woman, but used it to my fullest advantage because as much as I love them, I didn't want to be there. I'd been living on my own since 18, and I didn't want to go backwards. I gave myself a year to get it together and be out. I did it in a year and one month. I paid down credit cards. I caught up on my car payments that I had moved to the end of the term, and I saved my money to be able to move out, but successfully. And in February of 2020, I packed my stuff again and moved to Arizona, where I lost my job in the matter of a month due to COVID. Now, if I would have been doing the smart thing from jump and being financially smart and budgeting, it might not have hit so hard, but I wasn't, so it did. I worked three jobs for four months to just keep up with bills, and then my blessing came again. Another chance at six figures, more than six figures. This time, let's do it right. In June of 2020, I changed my life around for good. I stopped playing with my blessings and made some hefty sacrifices. But in the matter of six months, paid off every debt to my name other than my student loans and saved everything else. The most freeing experience. And now I worry so much less. When I don't like a job, I leave it. And when I want it, if I can't purchase it cash three times over, I don't get it. I cook far more than I eat out. I don't buy clothes. And let's face it, I make the clothes look good anyways. The clothes don't make me. And when I do spend money, I spend it on experiences of a lifetime instead of material things. I'm so much more happier and healthier since removing the chains. Now that I truly live below my means and have my personal definition of financial freedom, which to me is not about living a rich lifestyle and having designer clothes and fancy cars and having an extravagant home, but gaining my time back. I've been investing to grow true financial stability and long-term wealth and a foundation to sustain that. To have that financial stability, I need multiple sources of income, especially this day and age where the price of living just costs more. Even a two-income household isn't enough anymore. So I have my main source of income, several side businesses, currently looking into real estate. I have money in NFTs and crypto, but also still have my money in traditional options like several bank accounts, 401ks, stocks, and bonds. It's all about diversifying your complete portfolio. Now, this episode was not made to persuade you in any way, shape, or form on what to do with your money. 
I am not a financial advisor and still have a lot to learn myself. But one thing I do know is that money does not need to rule the world around you, though it may feel that way. But to take a look at your surroundings and the role you play and why money may rule your world. Because the day I paid off my debt, it stopped ruling mine. Hence the reason I was able to get up and leave a job paying more than six figures without a second thought. Educate yourself early so you can enjoy your life. Everything else will follow. The abundance in your life will only multiply. Money and all. Remember, follow me on Instagram at underscore Maddie Maxi to vote on topics. Also, follow the podcast at ChewTheFat underscore podcast to stay up to date on new episode releases. Until next time, be safe. I'm out of here.